This is the High Phrase Podcast. I am Elite, A-L-I-T-E, Mike A-C-D-J, on the mic. <laughs> Multi-talented. So today is a very special edition of the High Phrase Podcast. We're at Clinch MMA, and we're featuring the coach slash owner, responsible for multiple battlefield titles, Mamba titles, AMA titles, Second-degree black belt in jiu-jitsu from the lineage of Daniel Valverde, who co-owns MMA Masters. Second-degree black belt in taekwondo, brown belt in judo. Third-degree black belt in sports kickboxing. One of the baddest motherfuckers on the planet. The one, the only, Sal Clinch. What up, what up? What yeah, and the most humble dude with all those titles. Right? That you need. Dude, how long did it take you to get those titles? Oh, to get those uh, achievements in the... Yeah. Specific art? Ah, it's, it's a lifetime, brother. Lifetime. Right. <laughs> it's a lifetime. It never ends, man. You can never, you can never stop. Wow, that's amazing. It's a lot of hard work. Yeah, it's exciting. You know, we, we sit here, we look around, we see the name that we've seen yeah. in, in multiple gyms right now. And we've talked about it before, but why is it important for you to have a gym? Uh, pass the knowledge, man, because uh, I, I feel it's important to to show what I've worked on, what I've learned, and, and make sure that people learn the, the true art of uh, actually what to do. <laughs> you know, and they really got to know, and they really got to understand why. They have to ask the questions and know why. So on, on this journey, long journey of yours, if you had to single out a martial artist that you've trained with, that inspired or motivated you the most, who, who fills that, that space for you? Oh, dude, I I can't, man. That's Honestly, yeah. I was thinking about that. Uh, I was thinking about that, and there's too many people, man. Is too many people that have come in, into my life to to give one person all that all that praise. Right? It's just it's it's everybody. It's everybody that has been on the mat with me. It's everyone that's taught me something. Yeah, I, I, I gotta say, being one of those people that have been on the mat with with Sal, <laughs> it's uh, it's an experience you will not forget. Because not only do you learn. But you learn how quickly you can be made vulnerable. Oh man, I'm so glad I wasn't made vulnerable today. <laughs> like I'm seriously glad I wasn't made vulnerable today. Because I felt when I woke up today I was feeling solid. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have a shitty good sleep and I was coming out here and I never even we were gonna experiment and kinda roll around a lot, but yeah. I'm a little stiff. And and you gotta always remember this, and this goes out to people who come and join gyms too. Yes. You can't take this and not serious. There are people that put their passion and their life into this discipline. And to think that you're just gonna roll in here and try to, right? <laughs> you ever see that video online about that guy who goes in the gym and uh, and he's in there and he's like, he's thinking he's tough with all the guys, and the white guy, and he comes in there and he's, oh, right. you see that one? Yeah, yeah. Where he's crazy, I'm like. I can't remember what it is, it's like Zelnikov or something yeah. like that. He goes and he sucker punches people. Yeah. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Stupid. He did it to Deontay Wilder. Yeah, and Deontay I see him. Right, that's just blatant disrespect. Like, how often does that happen? Well, it, it, in, in order to have like a, a gym, it, it, you have to have guidelines, you have to have certain rules. Yeah. When, when I was training, you know, like 15, 15 years ago even, it was if you would come in that day, if you wanted to spar, you'd be able to spar, right? You were able to like, that means you were able to like get in there and throw some hands. Even without any experience, if you were supposed like street fighter or whatever, you're able to jump in and throw some rounds in with, with the pros or pro fighters and stuff. And, and nowadays, right, and it's not like that, right? So there's liability and stuff. So we don't let people, in, in, even in my club, right? It's six months training, even if under me, 
even if they have trained at other gyms and stuff and they tell oh i've trained 15 years trained nine years i've done this and and if i see that they're ready to spar and stuff and no one's going to get hurt then it's all good but until then there has to be a, a specific chemistry that you have in order to to spar Hold your mic up a little bit, brother. Yeah. how's that is that yeah, better it's way better yeah yeah, yeah. So, here, yeah. Right. so when you when you see that what what things do you look for that make a great training partner oh consistency your training partner has to have, it has to be consistent, and it can't it can't be one of those training partners. Here's one of the things that happen all the time: is that let, let me give you an example. It's all about me, so I got a fight coming up, so I need all my training partners to show up and train me now. And my fight's over and stuff, and I'm gonna take a break now, and I'll, I'm not gonna train the the guys who you know when it's their turn. You have to have a consistency. When when I was training, I wasn't even thinking about competition. I was just training for myself, trying to get better every day, showing up in the mats every day, every day trying to learn. So I would expect that. You know, as a training partner, that guy be with me the whole time and picking things up all the time, right? Consistency. And would you say that's the same for what makes a great student? Yeah, well? yeah. It's consistency and the ability to, to ask questions when they don't understand, right? So questioning and, and, and knowing why. Knowing why you have to move this way. Knowing why your body has to be a certain position. Knowing why you have to grip this way and asking it and then understanding it. And then being consistent with your training and then being honest with your training. That's the hard one, being honest with your training. Cause you gotta kind of Just being honest with yourself. Did you really train? Did you really diet? Did you really do what you said you did? Right? It's not those things that take a picture didn't happen. It's legitimately, it's the things that happen when you don't take the picture is what makes the champ, separates the champs from the chumps. Yo, gems, gems right there. The yeah. stuff you don't see. And you always hear fighters talk about it. You know, the, the, everyone always thinks that they're overnight success that just came in and, and did this, but Decades. Yeah, there's decades, man. There's, de there's, de there's decades, you know. Uh, and even coaching. It's not even talking about fighters. Even coaching. When the coaching stop learning, when the coaches stop learning, is when a huge part of them will die. You know, for me, I, I wake up every morning, 4 o'clock every morning, and at 5 o'clock after my third cup of tea, I've already, I'm on the internet, I'm looking at what teams are winning, why they're winning, what techniques they're winning. And I'm studying them and I'm consistently studying the new techniques, the new evolution of whatever, whether it be boxing, wrestling, kickboxing, Muay Thai, what techniques are winning, what is losing. Because it's a martial arts and evolution. It's going to be in a complete circle. It's going to go right back to karate. It's going to go right back to the traditional martial arts. And you have to study it. You can't think you know everything. Never. So yeah. where, where does that come from for you? Where, where do you find that inspiration or motivation to always want to be at the top of your game? My parents, man, my parents, and, and they always told me, man, don't be like me. My, both of my parents, they work for the government. They have really respectful jobs. My dad always telling me, uh, I don't want you to be like me. I'm a nobody. I want you to be a somebody. And they put us through, through private school, me and my sister, and they said, I don't want you to be like me. But they had nice cars. They had nice house. They had nice everything. But they're like, I don't want you to be like me. I'm a nobody. I work for somebody. I want you to be somebody in life, not be like me. And that resonated fucking hard, man. You know, that's what that's motivates awesome. me every day, yeah. That's why my house is clean, my gym is clean because I still think my mom is gonna come check up on me. I'm <laughs> scared of mom. I'm scared of mom, man, my mom's yeah. boss. Yeah. Boss, man. Okay, let me take, let me ask you something. Let's go back to your very first uh, time experience, like in a, in a gym. First time you were, uh, you became interactive with uh, discipline. What year are we going back to? We're going back to uh, 1982. 1982? Yeah. 19, 1982, and we're, we're talking, this is the time in Vancouver um, that there wasn't any martial arts studios, right? So we were looking them up and 
And uh, boxing studios probably. There, there was. I was too young, right? I was way too young to even think about boxing. I wanted to do what Bruce Lee was doing, yeah. and and I wanted to do what Chuck Norris was doing, Michael Dudikoff, Shokasugi. You know, I wanted to do what these guys were doing, and this was in the early '80s, before Bloodsport, before Van Damme, before Steven Seagal. This is 1982. Shokasugi was the man. He was he was the main ninja. He was the main ninja for all the ninja movies, right? So if you followed martial arts, you'll know who was legit. So I wanted to do that. And then my, my, my dad put me in a karate at uh, Renfrew Community Center first. Wow, Renfrew. Renfrew Community Center. You know, the problem with that was the sensei, the coach was never consistent. So these, these, uh, these uh, programs, they only ran for X amount of time. So you could never qualify and get to the next rank, get to the next rank, next rank. So I would go there and my instructor would change. I'd go there. Then from there, I went to Killarney. They put me in another uh, type of karate in Killarney. And uh, as I started getting older and I started watching the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I wanted to do Kung Fu. So I signed up at this place where this guy, Grandmaster Simon, he had, he had proclaimed that he had beaten Bruce Lee in, in his book. Oh, yeah, in his book, in his book, and, and uh, his book was called Date Rape. And uh, you can't find it anymore. You had, to, you had to go to a library to be able to get this book. And, uh, and, and you had to go to the library. Yeah, years ago. So I went to the Metrotown Library. I found the book. I read it. And then I went, you know what? I got to go to Temple of Kung Fu. So I started going to the Temple of Kung Fu and I started training in Kung Fu. And uh, yeah, and that was 1990. I started going to the Temple of Kung Fu. So when did you get in your first, you know, as a kid, your first fight, like outside of the ring? And, and did you already have training or did you, were you untrained? Like, how did your first fight go? Like, oh, the first elementary school. Elementary school, same. It was funny. I was just talking to my wife about this, this same situation. And I was, uh, I was telling her that in elementary school, I was doing all this training and we were punching uh, in the air and kicking in the air. And I had my first fight in elementary school, and it was against this guy, and he was a lot bigger than me, maybe twice my size. We were in the same grade. We went outside, and I was and I was throwing my kicks in there, warming up and stuff, and he punched me in the side of the head, and then he ran inside, right? <laughs> and then yeah, and then he ran inside, and it was in between classes. So I went, I went quickly behind the fence, and I cried so much because that that shit hurt, man. It was the first shot I took to my head. And I was like, fuck, my mom's going to be so heartbroken. I was thinking about my mom again, <laughs> again. I was like, how am I going to explain this fucking bump on my head to my mom? <laughs> that was my first. That was it. Yeah, man. First. See, man, it's like you got to lose to win. Got to lose. So, so was, there, was there any get back? Did you, did you get, ever, ever get any retribution? Hell, hell no, because martial arts at that time was all mystical. Yeah. You can fucking throw a finger in there and the guy would fall down. So my shit was garbage at that time. <laughs> But I didn't know. I was like, I just not training enough. I, and this was before Temple of Kung Fu. This was this was when I was doing the at the community centers. This happened. So 1982, Karate Kid had already come out at nope. this point. 84, 84. Oh, it was 84. 84. Yeah, yep. All right. So that's kind of when the karate thing took off. Is when Ralph Macchio was up on the screen. <laughs> Shout out to Ralph, Ralph Macchio right now. All uh, right, he came on there. And then I remember as a kid, 1984. I was nine years oldish. Yeah. Uh, Everybody started doing karate. Yeah, okay? yeah. But Sal was already two years ahead <laughs> of all these motherfuckers, okay, at that point. So when you saw the boom coming, do you remember that? Like, do you remember all of a sudden seeing guys that were, like, doing karate all the oh, time? Oh, she was in karate pants. Oh. Yeah, like. I sucked. It didn't matter if I seen guys and stuff <laughs> yeah. because I, I didn't get the proper training. I, I wasn't physically big. I was, like, a really skinny guy. So, and, uh, yeah, it just, it, it wasn't good enough. And honestly, and, and I knew it. 
And I knew it, and I used to watch wrestling at that time, and I was in awe of all these huge bodies, like, you know, the but Butch Reed, Superstar Billy Graham, yeah. the Legion yeah. of Doom, yeah. Hogan, Rick Rude, and I wanted to be like that. So I was like, you know what? This martial arts six sucks. Well, it sucks, so I got to start doing push-ups. I started doing push-ups, and I started doing this, and I was training at the same time, too. Wow. Had to. <laughs> wow. So who was the wrestler? That, that sparked the imagination. What, were you, what did you look at? What, was there like a turning point for you when you saw like uh, Hulk Hogan with the 24-inch bicep? What, which, was what was the moment for you that you saw that like, man, I'll, I'd rather be like these guys? Oh man, it was, it was the Legion of Doom, uh, Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. You know, like these guys were Jack, Nikita Koloff. Oh wow. Like I like these, these, these builds are too yoked. I wanted to be like that. Yeah. I was all about the body. That's why when the early UFCs came out, it was still all mystical. Everything was all mystical. No one knew what was going to happen, what, what style was going to win. And I was coming from like now, from like a wrestling, a love for wrestling, getting now into the UFC. So I seen Ken Shamrock build and I was like, holy shit, this, is, yeah. this guy, I already liked him. Huge. I already liked him instantly because he was coming out flamboyant. Jack, he looked like Rick Rude, right? Yeah, so he was already a winner to me. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't know much about the rest of the jujitsu stuff at that time, right? But. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just like, I was hoping that the Jack guys were winning all the time, you know? So when guys like Mark Kerr, Mark Coleman were coming out, Ooh, and Randleman were coming out, I was like, woo! Yeah, hey, uh, can I interrupt for a second? Yeah, we turn the heat off? Let's do it. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry, man. We'll probably still get some good sound, though, because the mic's Oh, you don't. have you had a gym in your life like as your business that's it one this time is, this, this is the one time this, this is a, it's a one time i've been running it since uh 2000 january 2008 How do you like the business of, of fighting like the whole business aspect of it because before you're training and you're just you know you're showing up and you're training and you're probably competing right you know uh, just to be able to be the part of it mm. is, is a huge win for me I, I love it i love being I love being around the fight scene. I love being around the fighters, the mentality, like the real people. These guys, I can see it. Fucking BC in general. BC is a, is a, is a province full of real, real talented athletes, like ridiculous. In every industry here, not only in MMA, but I'm talking now MMA, and we have some legitimate guys here, and these guys are bad motherfuckers, and they're training every day, like guys who aren't even fighting yet are training every day, and following the pros and following the amateurs and this is the way that it's happening here now and and it's lovely and i like going there to the fights because myself i still wake up and i train every day like i have a fucking fight coming up mm -hmm. i still train i haven't stopped training every day i haven't stopped evolving and and uh yeah and i train like if i have a fight coming up pretty soon i you know like i'm, I'm, I'm okay 
I'm in shape. I roll with my guys. I wrestle with my guys. I spar with my guys. You know, like I, I like it. You know, so I love being around this, and I love being around these animals and these legit, very humble guys, and and seeing what they do and what they accomplish. And inside, I'm, I'm, I'm even if I have not a part of the camp, but I'm proud of them all because I've seen where this all came from. You know, when I was doing it, when we were doing it before, it was all fighting on the native reservations, right? Trying to fight on places that because it wasn't legal before. Now there's a commission. Yeah. Now there's an athletic commission. They're they're checking people's blood. They're checking, you know, they're seeing if people are cheating. They're checking their hydration. You know, and it's it's amazing now how the sport has changed and how it's helping these guys and, and help get them to the next level. So when you were fighting on the reserves, no holds barred. No holds barred. It was funny because uh, I bought these like MMA gloves and and I would just train with them at the gym. I would go work out with them at, at like at BCIT or right? I'd go do bicep curls and then I would go to the gym and train with them and I would use the same gloves to fight with. Oh, wow. Yeah, because there was no inspectors or nothing. Right? You can tape your hands how you want. There was no blood work, nothing to be done, right? You know, like you could fight anyone with anything. And, wow. and it was, yeah, it was, it was, those were the Wild West days. And there was days prior to that that were even prior to when I was fighting. And, I, and, and it, was, it was worse than that, you know, so. When was your last official fight? 2010. So is, is there a piece of you that, that wishes you, you had a chance to go in this time? With this technology and this, oh and definitely this if, I, if I can put my if I can put my brain and you can ask any athlete out there they'll say the same if you can put your brain and your techniques now into like a younger version of yourself <laughs> who wouldn't want to go out there and play <laughs> in anything whether it be whether it be in sports or whether it be in like in any industry you know yeah, I, yeah. sure for sure piano anything yeah. do, you feel, <laughs> do you feel like maybe you were a generation too early now that you see how fighting has progressed over the past little while do you do you wish maybe you had 20 years or something back and maybe try it nowadays? I got 20 years to watch it, man. I'm, I'm never a generation early or too late. I, I appreciate where I'm at wow. because I'm, I'm learning so much every day as I go. It's, it's the whole thing. The whole thing is all about learning. If you learn, man, you die, right? So now my, I'm pumped because the second generation, third, fifth, seventh generation after me, I can watch. I can, I can still learn. You know, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm never, I'm never sad but about that. But do you see guys out there today, you're like, dude, I could totally take that belt from that fucking guy. I mean. <laughs> I mean, I know it's a question. I'm going against your. your it's, not, it's not that. It's, you know. I, you know what, when, when guys are competing and when they're in competition and, and they're looking and they're hungry, then they're sizing guys up. If you're sizing someone up normally on a day on a day to day basis, man, and if it's if it's for it's an ego thing, it's not good, right. you know. So I'm never looking at this guy sucks or this guy's rubbish. I'm looking and giving that guy some type of props for showing up and doing what he's doing, right? Yeah, that's yeah. it. It's awesome. Yeah, I think people have have this uh, armchair quarterback thing. They see fighters, and you know, if you even when you watch a fight with friends and you see people grappling mm -hmm. up against the cage and or or you know, there's some uh, jujitsu on the ground and there's a lot of what a non-fight fan would consider to be, oh, it's so boring right now. Mm -hmm. Oh, nothing's happening right now. But they don't understand no. the energy it takes to be held up against a cage for 30 seconds. It's not, it is exhausting. It's not the energy. Let's talk about the technicality. That's, that's what people don't understand. It's not the energy. It's the technicality to be able to do these things and to maintain these positions and to be able to do it under pressure and stress. That's what people have to realize and understand. And, and you know, uh, they're learning. Mm -hmm. And everyone's learning. And, and it's, it's, it's gotten a lot better. The fans need education. The fans, you know, because if you look at the fans from, you know, 15, 20 years ago, if you look at the fans, and if you look at the fans in Japan, uh, for example, the old pride fights, when it hit the ground, guess what? You could hear a pin drop. 
It was quiet because they were listening. All you can hear is the mat, the canvas, doom, 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 of the knees hitting the ground, the feet hitting the ground. You can hear them scrambling. Yeah, because there was no noise. They loved it. They loved that, yeah. They get it. Yeah. So when you hear people say stuff like, oh, someone like a Davy Amaya is a boring fighter. But who's saying that? Well, I mean, you said that. <laughs> well, the thing is, for me, social media, unfortunately, is one of the ways we propel our, uh, the things that we do. And when you see you know, people on these fight forums or Twitter or just period talking about fights, even people that I encounter that aren't fight fans, I say, oh, have you seen the fights last night? Like, oh, yeah, I saw it. It was so boring. just on the ground all the time. You know what? In general, you can't let anybody's opinion let you want to smack somebody, <laughs> right? Because I used to. Honestly, I used to. It's one of the questions that you ask. How do you know that you reach the next level? It's when you can control your emotions like that, right? Like when you can let things go and you can take accountability. We can sit and have a, a conscious debate about things. Like, you know, like even about who's your favorite singer? What artist do you like? I can't hate you for saying you like this genre of music or, or you like this particular fighter or that because you don't see the movement there. I can't hate you for or, or, or be irritated at you for saying that. I used to be. But like, you know, I'm not gonna let you control the way I, I behave, right? That's it. Bars, yo. Yeah. You're an MC, those are bars. I am an MC. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of MC, a um, little oh. segue off, off into something a little bit different. I gotta, I gotta look at my notes <laughs> on this one. So uh, we're obviously huge hip hop fans, huge music fans, just in general of artists. <laughs> hip hop heads that are out there. Yeah, if, what, what gets played to get you into that space where you just want to go? What kind of music is in your playlist? Oh man, the music in the playlist, uh, it's a lot of West Coast, East Coast. Man, <sighs> to get me, to get my cerebral, to get my mind going, to, you know, to play some jujitsu, some judo, and nothing hard, just relax, flow, play some Wu-Tang, mm -hmm. you know, play, play some Andre, some Outkast. Uh, you know, and then to get a little bit harder, we're going to look at like some West Coast stuff. We'll look at maybe some Ice Cube, some Dr. Dre, some Easy. Yeah. you know, hmm. yeah. that, that, that's the playlist to smash, the you know? Foundation. Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> just how it is. <laughs> yeah. That's the smash. And then, then you got the reggae playlist, you know, just nice and easy. Then you get the rock and roll playlist. You get the jazz, you get the bluesy, all different types so of genres. You have to just like just like martial arts you know you cannot just have one discipline and then and think you understand it all you need to consistently flow and evolve and same with music man like you know like uh, you gotta you gotta understand all types of music man so being that obviously my choice is hip-hop obviously do you have a top five top five top, top five MCs. mcs oh okay okay so let, dead, dead, dead or alive okay let me ask you some questions okay, okay so okay. so this is the questions i have for you guys okay 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 so the, the questions are so the questions are number one longevity right oh you got some stipulations yeah clarity consistency right originality and an inspiration inspiration okay so that's that's how i looked at it that, that's how i categorize it i looked at longevity Clarity. I bet your house is clean. As fuck. <laughs> clean as fuck, man. It's clean as fuck. I bet. Or I'm like listening fuck. to this, brother. I'm like, man, your house is clean. Clean. Details. Clean. Yeah. You can eat off the floor. <laughs> yeah. So I put down my a list that I, I maybe you know that inspire me. Just inspire me, like, to 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 study. Nice. You know, not even to nice. smash, right? And and these are some of the guys that I, that I wrote down right here. Okay. So I wrote down RZA, Inspector Ooh. Deck, right? Jizza. Uh, I I got Andre in there. Lyrics and delivery, you gotta have Ice Cube, right? Yes. Ice Cube. You gotta have Ice Cube, right? You, I got Lauren Hill on there because you guys nice. can't even not talk about Lauren Hill, right? 
who else I got in here? Let me see what else I got here. You know, my number one, I'll tell you right now, off the top is gonna be, and we can hit on it later, it's gonna be Eric B, but I'll Ooh. come on that, I'll come on that after, okay? Yeah, you I guys know, you, you can't even pass that, right? So who, who else I got? I got Run DMC, yeah. I got Dr. Dre, I got L Cool J, Biggie and Pac, you know, there, there was a time in my life where I was all about Biggie and Pac, Biggie and Pac. You know, and then it, and then I, and Biggie, you know, it grew on me a lot older, a lot more as I got older, you know, because, you know, he's a great storyteller. Pac, when I was in that time in my life, when I was legitimately hustling and stuff, it was a different ball game that time. Pac was inspired me that time. It was way different that time. And then I looked at it today and I'll tell you someone and I'll throw a curve at everyone is huge inspiration. In my life is Will Smith. Yeah, that guy, yeah. that guy. If you look at if you look at he, he hit everything on my list, right? Longevity. Clarity, consistency, originality, inspiration, and lyrics and delivery. Damn. That Prince guy. Prince. Dude, and I didn't even think about that till I left the house. Wow. When you think of Prince, of Fresh Prince, like, he really stuck to his brand all the way through his life. Yeah. And that's what made him successful because he was just himself. He was real, right? Consistency, man. Consistency, yeah, I don't man. think there's many yeah. top five or even top ten lists where they would mention the Fresh Prince. <laughs> they, oh, no. They're gonna because as we get older, as as things evolve, you know, you notice I didn't put Eminem in there because I didn't put a battle. Mm -hmm. If we're talking about battling, ain't no one gonna battle with Eminem, yeah, right? Yeah. We're we're technical. talking about yeah. We're, yeah, we're talking technical and, and gets my creative juices yeah. going, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. You know, I got Run DMC in there, and then I got Melly Mel in there. You know, you know, yeah. you know, you got to look at back back in the day, yeah, everywhere, you know. Some names. So some names, man. Classics. that you brought up Eric B and Rakim because I actually just started reading the book. I got the album at home, paid in full, man. Oh, so so what is it about Rakim? Ah, oh, dude, it was the time of my life. That's what that's that's what I was listening to. So we're, I got enough to go around, you know. Oh, man, and the voice could be that, sounded like a serial killer. Yeah, he BD, BDP, you know, KRS One, LL Cool J, rock the bells, you know, like. That's that's what I'm talking about, you know. Yeah. I can't live without my radio. Putting my ghetto blaster on my on my shoulder, and I and, and my little boy does that now. And I showed him today before I got here. You gotta you gotta hold it like this. And, well, he, you, and, and people gotta understand too. When we were growing up in Canada, getting our hands on those records wasn't easy. Tough. Remember that? Because you couldn't get hip hop around very often. I, I I learned how to scratch on my public enemy vinyl. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well rounded. Yeah. Because I can tell you the very first song I ever heard that blew my mind was I Need Love. No, oh, El Cool J. Yeah. He turned me on for, to hip yeah. for sure. Yeah. So you got some creative juices of your own that you exercised. You heard it that year or you heard it later on? Because yeah. I, I remember the year it came out. No, no, I, oh, I heard it later on. Yeah, because Junior was at my house when it came out. He was living at my <laughs> house. DJ 151. Yeah, no, oh, I heard it because <laughs> when it came out, I was like seven. I didn't hear it until I was like 12, 13. My older brother brought it into the house. Yeah. And then um, I heard Fuck the Police and my whole world changed forever. Yeah. That just flipped my whole script. That changed everything because yeah. be before that came out, I was listening to MC Hammer. At, <laughs> right? Same. Yeah, man. Please, Hammer, don't do this. Yeah. Right? Hammer, don't hurt him. Hammer was the, yeah. he was money. His moves, I had the shit catchers. <laughs> you know, New Edition, Belle Biv DeVoe all day, man. Yeah. But when NWA said that, something changed. It, the whole the whole world's like you can say this. Being, stop being nice. It was like, lyrics and delivery. Yeah, because it, it was they were saying stuff nobody had dared to touch. Yeah. In such a braggadocious way, they didn't give a fuck. 
Yeah. And people of color really hadn't had a huge voice since the 60s. If yeah. If you really think about it, when you really go way back. Then. Well, not on that platform. They actually did. If you look at like Diana Ross, like uh, Michael Jackson, they, they had a platform to sing, mm -hmm. but they didn't have it on that style. Showing me, showing where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. Take a look behind me as opposed to let's, let me show you what you want to see. And even with that, it was limited to the U.S., basically, unless the Canadian radio play played it every now and then. Yeah. But to get your hands on that stuff, like... What, you said you did some scratching and stuff. What other ways do you get to uh, release yourself creatively? Music, brother. Yeah, you play some You play some stuff? I play some music. I play a little bit of music, but I, I just love listening to music, man. I just love it. I love music. Music is like, a, is like a photo album to me. As soon as I can tell you the year, because I remember exactly what I did that year. I tell you when El Kuji saw because Junior lived in my house. I remember what I was doing. I remember the smell of what that year it smelled like, because I have memories. Music is like my memory cave. You know, I love it. Yeah. So associate times of your life. Fuck, I couldn't wait to come and sit and talk to you guys about hip hop. I know we come from the same time, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it, it almost. I've, so I'm I'm reading this Rakim book, and he said he he talks about how hip hop is one of the few kinds of music that make you listen and stick your chest out. Real hip hop. Mm -hmm. You know. Not talking about mutter rap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, talk about real hip hop. Real hip hop. So you you mentioned Eminem. Are you a fan? Of Slim Shady? Uh, how can you not be a fan? That guy is a lyrical assassin. Yes. That, he's a lyrical assassin. He will shred anybody. If there's a battle going on, don't look at him. Yeah, don't <laughs> no. look at him. Don't look at him. Walk away from the whiteboard. You can ask any MC out there. They will tell you. They will all tell you. Eminem will shred anybody. Well, anybody. They'll, they'll, you can YouTube that question and they will tell you that. Well, yeah. And you just look at like <laughs> yeah. Love 8 Miles. Still one of my favorite movies about with rappers in it. You know, yeah. Belly is pretty up there. Yeah, yeah his technique, is, yeah, Belly's his technique is flawless, but yeah. you don't get a lot of people saying that they, there's music that M makes that you can just bump to, no. you know? Because you're so busy listening to the details and the intricacy of the words, the music is not really, it's not really as musical. I, I'll, I'll tell you, when Eminem hit me, how, how, how huge he was, was when I went to the Chronic 2000 uh, concert, and it was the summer of 2000. It was Chronic 2001 concert. It was the summer of 2000. And at that time, that Marshall Mathers album was just dropping mm -hmm. and stuff. He was still fresh. And at that concert was uh, the whole West Side Connection was supposed oh, to come. Up in Smoke. Up in Smoke, right? But it was, uh, it was the opening act was uh, Warren G. And yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah it, it was um, Nate Dogg. Dog no, no, he was there. Wait, this is the one he made? Yeah, this is the one he made. Nate Dogg, Warren G. There was uh, Snoop, Dre, Eminem, Exhibit. They were all there, they were all there right? It was, it was a full-out show. Ice Cube couldn't make the border. But I'll tell you, right, because I, I was there for Dre. I was there listening to this guy and, and, and Snoop, but more Dre. But the loudest fucking cheers were Eminem, and nobody knew who he was and shit. But the place went off the roof as soon as he came out there, man. Yeah. When Slim Shady came out and he started dissing out and saying Clown Posse, in general, when he came oh, out... When he came out, the place when he erupted, I was like, you better take this guy serious. Yeah. This guy is a giant hot box. There's a lot of weed smoke in that room. There was, man, but I was paying attention to the music. <laughs> that was a great what show. was your first concert you ever been to? Do you remember? How can I forget? You want me to tell you what it was? Yeah, and yeah. you'd never be able to forget. Uh, okay. It was a victory tour in 1984. BC oh, Play Stadium. Shit, MJ? Michael Jackson, uh, man, yeah. Very first concert, very first concert in my life. Wow. Very first concert Huge. in my life, man. Huge. Never forget that. How many people were there? It's back. It was three day this event. BC, BC Place, right? or BC, BC Place Stadium. BC Place. There was no GM that time. BC Place. It was sold out, man. All three days were sold out, man. That was, big, that was a big place, BC Place. Yeah, and you know how we got the tickets, man? Mm -hmm. If you guys are old, you know this. My mom won them on this show called LG73. LG73. Wow. LG73. And that was, was that an AM 
station. AM station. There was no AM. HD or FM frequency. It was pop music on AM station. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Top 40. We won two tickets. I won, we won tickets to Cool and the Gang as well, too. Oh. The year oh. after. Dude, that's like one of the greatest live bands in the history of music. Yeah, man. Great. Well, too good, right? How can you ever forget Michael Jackson first concert? First and all of them came. Was? What was it? Madonna. Wow, which Yikes. one? Thanks. Rock Candy. It was horrible. What year was that? It's like 2012. Oh, that's fairly recent no, no. then. 2010. It's 2010. So you didn't go to a lot of concerts? I was there too. I've never been to a concert until I was like 30. Wow. Yeah. I was there at that concert as well. <laughs> I was like... I was, I was. Me and Shauna went. So you know. It was horrible. I was sitting... <laughs> it was horrible. I was sitting with five horrible. generations of Madonna. There was pointy breast Madonna. Oh, there was like, like a version. There was all these ones. They were devastated. Because she didn't sing any of her old songs. Yeah, she oh, said, no, time you. goes by <laughs> so slowly. I went for her old school stuff. I didn't know she was promoting her new tour, right? So I, we basically got roasted like you. That but I love Madonna. Madonna is the beast, right? The second concert was Britney Spears. I'm ashamed. Damn, bro. You had some bad luck. Drop the mic. I, I, it was horrible. She, got, she walked off stage in the middle of lip sync. Oh, this is the one where she went bunkers. And the guy who was the promoter is a... Um, he went back there and he's like, you better go get back on. You can hear them. And there was like, it was on the mic. And then they're like, okay, <laughs> so go back bad. on. Oh, it was bad. She's like, you guys got to stop smoking weed. Oh, right. I heard about this. Yeah. Movie, yeah. She's very upset about weed. But you know, I got pretty lucky. My first crap. ever concert was West Side Connection. Oh, that's really good. At, uh, it was, they did a summer jam at the Agrodome. And it was yeah. West Side Connection 112. Yeah. There was an R&B girl group called Allure. Allure. Back in the day, no one remembers. Yeah. And, um, those three, man, WC, Mac, WC, Mac 10, and Ice Cube, they tore that place into pieces. Amazing. Yeah. WC, man, Chicken Hawk, dude, those guys are awesome, man. Uh, West Side Connection, monster, man. too good. Mac 10, phenomenal. Both of them, all three of them. Yeah, I had the opportunity to open for WC last year, last summer, and we got to meet him. And this guy is a seasoned veteran, been in the game 20 plus years, nice to everybody. Took pictures with everybody, shook everybody's hands. We only had maybe 150 people in the room, and he still performed like it was in front of 5,000 people. Still put on an hour-long show, stormed the stage, dripping wet afterwards, but gave everybody a phenomenal show. Did he see walk? He did see walk all over that stage. <laughs> Shout out to Dub C, man. Legend, still doing his thing. This is overall, every, every kind of music. Oh, it's got to be Thriller. It's got to be Thriller. Oh, yeah. Nothing did more for me as an artist as Thriller did. Thriller. Oh, yeah. See, yeah, I like Michael. Michael's in my top three, but I like Off the Wall. I love all the songs. Right? Well, you know, what you know what Thriller did, which I don't think other albums did, is that he made socially conscious topics into pop songs, yes. which was unheard of back then. And he gave you messages and these beautiful melodies with this incredible singing while he's dancing. While he was performing. Right? Well, yeah. Just dropping these gems into his music that I try to carry forward in my music and I try to drop gems the same way he yeah. did. But as an MC, it's easier. As a pop singer to do yeah. it, it was just way too far ahead of his time. All right, so our favorite album. Uh, that's right there. He, he nailed it right in the head. Thriller, Thriller man. Yeah. Wow. Such an inspirational album for people in our generation. Huge, yeah. So you're obviously an MJ fan. Huge MJ fan. Yeah. Huge MJ fan, yeah. Inspired the way you the way you look at art overall. 
more inspired by what he did in terms of uh, just mixing his originality. Like he mixed all different styles, you know, he's just like Bruce Lee. Like you look at his dancing, it was like a form of like a classical tap, hip hop. He mixed all different styles, just like, you know, like he's way past his time, mm -hmm. way past yeah, his time. Definitely. I love that him and Prince had beef. You know, I, yes. hey, check this out. I have this conversation with, 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 again, with my wife all the time. I said, oh, it didn't matter what artist you were, right? If you came up in an era of Michael Jackson, you were in the shadow. And Prince was, if you look at what Prince can do, if Prince was out now and that guy could play the guitar, he could sing, he could dance, but he was always in MJ's shadow because MJ was on, he was like, uh, he was like, he was like a god. When he walked into a room, it was just different. If you, if you watch the video, We Are the World, you can see he shines out like a, like a different species as opposed to everybody else. Yeah, and I think, he, I think the way he approached life was like that too, which is why he just seems so much larger than life. Larger than life. Time, man. Is there anyone you can think of right now that kind of at least has the same kind of creative flair that MJ had? That's, that's a good one. Like, that's alive right that's, now? That's popping right music? now that you can think of? Ooh, that's tough. That's alive. That that's like M Michael Jackson. Or at least had at least embodies that kind of pushing the creativity to different places. <sighs> that's really tough. What do you have off the top of your head? Okay, so off the top of my head, I thought back in the day that Usher. Was that's who I thought exactly. Right? Yeah, right? exactly. I thought exactly. that Usher he stopped. would get there, but Usher fell yeah. off. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly was, what I thought. And it yeah. was the social media era of entertainment that will not allow anybody to get legendary like Michael Jackson. Not because anymore, behind yeah. Michael, there was that mystery of what the fuck he was doing mm -hmm. in his life. Mm -hmm. He didn't have social media parading his shit all over the place, right? It wasn't necessary. He was the, the social mystery, media. Yeah, <laughs> the mystery was, who is Michael Jackson, right? And that's why everyone loved him. I got two for you. Maybe you agree or disagree. First, Beyonce. Uh, Beyonce, yeah, she's got a fatal flaw, though. What is it? <laughs> As I look into the camera, they have we won't men. hold women that high. Yeah, yeah. It's America, it's 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 it's, it's getting there. It's getting there. It's getting there. It's getting there. Uh, that's a good one. And who's your second one? Um, Frank Ocean. Frank Ocean, eh? Hmm. Minus hmm. the dancing, because he's not a dancer, but creatively listening to his catalog over the years. You said dead or alive. You said alive, alive. right? Popping, yeah. Hmm. It's interesting because you bring two subject matters up that I personally believe is, a, is against everything that America, because America is what it is. America yeah. is it. If you succeed in entertainment in America, you're a fucking legend, right? Yeah. And there's not many places in the world you can say that. True. So you go to America, if you're a woman and you're gay, you don't get held up very high. And we got both. Yeah, we got both, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, I think and when Frank came, you know, it's, this is a funny conversation because my son's obsessed with Frank Ocean. Yeah. Obsessed. He's amazing. And mm -hmm. um, like, when well, he came I'm out good. with Channel Orange and the rumors came out of, about him being bisexual or gay, mm -hmm. he has a song that, thinking about you, oh, no, no. so I'm talking to my son who at the time was probably 14, 15. And I asked him, because at that time he didn't know Frank Ocean was gay. So I asked him, would it make a difference to you if you know he was singing the song to a man? And f five years ago, mm -hmm. he stopped for a second. He's like, yeah, I think it would. And I said, why? Why would it make a difference to you if you're singing to a man, a woman, or, or, or whoever he loves? And traditionally, R&B is a man singing to a woman or a woman singing to a man. And that's kind of what makes R&B R&B, right? If you knew Marvin Gaye was singing sexual healing to a man, yeah. would it change your perspective of sexual healing? 
No, because I listen to Carol's Whisper, and I'm like, well, it's rumored that Marvin Gaye was gay as well, yeah. and he had a relationship with, you know, other men. You know, it doesn't matter who sings the song, it's who you're singing it to. Exactly. Yo. It's true. Uh, bars. It's bars. true, though. If yeah. you really yeah. think about it, it's how you interpret the art, right? It's like looking at a painting, you can't suck, you can't say that. But if somebody goes and love it, fall in love and cry when they look at it, right? See, and this is the stuff people need to hear. It's not... Who is the song is being sung to? Is who you're singing it to? Elton John. Exactly. Yeah. Freddie Mercury, Elton John. Freddie Mercury. The legends of our time were guys who were so progressive, and because in those times coming out was considered taboo. Like, what the hell are you doing? But they were so progressive men. Those are those are my inspirations, man. Freddie Mercury, Elton John. And Freddie Mercury is a god, man. A and god. to bring it back to legend, your boy Will Smith. I have a long-standing running bet with mm-hmm. a friend of mine that he will be president one day. I said this back in like the could definitely happen mid two thousand. Will Smith or The Rock, right? Yeah. Will Smith, he's hella likable, so I can see it. Has the yeah. ability to be legendary, mm-hmm. like Michael. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I agree with that. No dirt, you know what I mean? Like yeah. this thing with Jada. consistency. Yeah. <laughs> For real. For real. Right? Be a consistent training partner. Be a consistent person. <laughs> Why do, you th- why do you think that's so hard, though? Why do you think it's so hard for people to be consistent? Fuck, they're just living a fake life, right? It's like, it's like that same thing. I got to take a picture. It didn't happen. You know, you just... <laughs> that's yeah, all it is. Because, you know, you... You got to be true with yourself, right? Be honest. And you see this more in the social media generation. You know, people talk about going to the gym, don't go to the gym. They take one picture at the gym for 30 days, and then that's the inspirational post they leave. But they've only been to the gym once the whole month. Yeah. Right? And you kind of get this... You get this symptom that it creates where you put so much stuff on your social media that exemplifies and presents what's great about your life that you don't really live life. You live life through your Instagram fantasy or your Facebook fantasy or your Twitter fantasy. That's you. What kind of things, <laughs> what kind of things do you think people need to change in their own lives? Not me, dude. So I'll tell you what I change. I don't have WhatsApp. I don't have Facebook. I just have Instagram for my business. That's good. That's it. I don't let people see what I'm doing. I move in silence. Do you think there's a way people can project themselves on social media in a way that's positive and helpful and still live that same life? It's, it's hard. Guys are trying to put this image on of themselves, you know, anyone in general, and that puts a lot of pressure on them. If you just be, in general, just put the phone down. Just put, up, put all that garbage down. Yeah. someone's trying to get a hold of you this and that and i'm like well if i knew someone was trying to get a hold of me i wouldn't do that right <laughs> right like if i knew i had to be on point for something but most of the time dude why not i get so much work done and i'm able to focus on things i need to do and i'm, always, I'm able to like you know work out in silence without my phone going you know what i mean like there's so many things you don't need to be available 24 7 right that's the problem yeah as people are letting themselves be available 24 7 so they have to constantly ask answer these questions or all the time and it's just too stressful then you're ignoring the people who are around you who are actually trying to spend time with you right so in person right in person man we're we're sitting together at a table you look at what they're just texting with whoever they were just with you know it doesn't even make sense (laughs) doesn't make sense you're watching a movie with someone but they're on the phone right yeah. Yeah, and here's here's what 
because I, I can do this on fight days only. Yesterday, obviously, we had Khabib and mm-hmm. uh, Justin Gaethje have a phenomenal career-ending fight for wow. Khabib, it looks like. But, but was it a good ending, though? Like, come on. I mean, yeah, it was a great ending. He choked, armbarred him, right? Choked him? Triangle choke. Triangle choke. Yeah. So you, you like the way it went out? You like the way it went down? You know, I'll tell you this, right? He didn't throw any punches. He didn't ground and pound Gagey. He let him off the hook. He, he basically just put a submission on him and he, and he just finished him. And he tried to not punish him on the ground anymore. When he went to the end of the first round, he went to the bottom there. He felt him and he tried to finish an armbar in the, in, in the end of the first round and he missed the position. And then second round, he just did it again. We took him down. He didn't put any ground and pound. If you look at mm. his ground, that's his, that's his bread and butter. Oh, sure. That's what he does. And he, he just basically, yeah, what a beautiful character, man. What a great ambassador why, of the why sport. Did he, why did he handle the fight that way? Was it a respectful thing? Was it in which way do you mean he handled well, it? Well, I mean, like he's usually he wasn't as malicious. He wasn't as malicious as he was today. Like, and you looked at um, Justin; uh, he was flailing a lot, right? He was throwing a lot of punches, a lot of wild punches, a lot. Through. It, it was it was the pressure. You can't throw straight punches when someone's pressuring you. That mm-hmm. can, kind of pressure, you had to try to get him off of him. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, you, if you look at Khabib, even against like, you know he he had Michael Johnson, if you fights ago, and the way he punished Michael Johnson on the ground, talking smack to him, telling him to tap, this is my destiny, this is my, he he almost seemed like he was ready to leave before the fight even started. He was just, let's get this over with as quickly as possible and I'm done. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know what what he's thinking of, but um, I'm just, I'm just, I had no part of that fight or have no part of that fight camp, but I feel like a part of me is so proud of, of Khabib and uh, I'm just so proud of even be able to witness that and just just to know what where he came from and and his bond with his dad how much he loves his dad and and and, and I understand that as well um Justin Gagey has that same bond with his with his with his family too right so it's uh, it's amazing that uh yeah I was able to see that witness that that's that that was the huge win for me and for him to go out that way you know Dagestani fighters man Dude, Monsters on he, that side. and it's hard for a, a fighter, I'll tell you, right? Because it's really hard to take the dog out of the fight, right? It's really, it's hard, man, because that's why these guys are coming back, like Roy Jones, Mike Tyson, because they're legit fighters. They want to fight. They, like Evander Holyfield, you know, all these guys, like, like uh, Anderson Silva are still fighting, you know, and they should have hung up, and they could have had this legendary status, but this guy right now, he he went out, and he's going out, and, and, and fuck, this is, this is going to be hard to top, 13 and 0 in the UFC, and uh, it's very hard to, to top this. And yeah, we're gonna see. This is pound for pound. We witness some something really great. So who do you who do you think fills the uh, lightweight hole next? It's gonna be the it's gonna be Gagey and uh, whoever whoever they give him next. He's the next next the new era of this of this weight class, right? So okay, Khabib goes down on top. Four title defenses, I think he had as a lightweight. He says that he wants the UFC to make him the pound for pound best number one fighter. Yeah. John Jones interjected. Well, John Jones said you can have it right now. Because he's defended his title 12 times, I think, in yeah, UFC. Yeah, 12 times. Yeah. So yeah. Who, who would you say is the pound for pound between those two? Oh, God. What happens in the pound for pound rankings is when there's a fighter that's current, they will take over the pound for yeah, pound. Ranking. It, yeah, so it's always going to drop. Eventually, Khabib will lose his spot too, yeah, right? Yeah. So right now, currently, Khabib is pound for pound the greatest, right? Actively, the number one guy. Number one guy, and until John Jones can have have thirteen in a row, uh, then <laughs> then you know, like right now, starting now, yeah, of course he can. Holy shit! 
John Jones, I had him as the greatest. I had him as the greatest of all time. If he can get his shit together, he he's he's just a, a freak of an athlete. And and uh, then you then you then you have a person like Khabib that come along, yeah. right? How do you like John Jones at heavyweight? John Jones at any weight. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Super heavyweight. It's just gonna be hard to beat this guy. Okay, so one more name I want to throw into this mix, who I feel is constantly overlooked, hmm. Demetrius Johnson. DJ, yeah. I think pound for pound, leaving him out of the conversation is not fair. Because hmm. we, we kind of touched on this conversation earlier with Henry Zahudo uh, and that title fight where Zahudo took over that took over the strap. And um, t t tell them what you told me about, because I said, to become the champion, you have to beat the champion in a way that's dramatic. Personal anecdotal experience is what I said. Yeah, and I was explaining that's all just WWE, and and you were you were explaining to me why you didn't feel um, he won the fight, or why you didn't feel why you felt like he didn't lose the fight, and I was asking you to give me your criteria and how you scored it, and then that was your criteria, and and that's not the criteria. This criteria is you're looking at effective striking and grappling. So at the at the end, that's the first thing you're looking at: effective striking and grappling. Because Tahuto wins the title, walks away. Drops the title. I'm not fighting anymore. Demetrius goes to 1FC. Still winning. Mm -hmm. He hasn't been beaten yet in 1FC. And he's still current. Would you put him in that top pound for pound even without a strap? No. He's got to have a strap. He's got to have. He's Yeah. It's, he, I don't think he can be top pound for pound now that Henry Suhudo took his place. He's got to be a champ. He, he took his place already. He's got to come out. For him to be pound for pound in that, in that category, he's got to be ahead of Henry Suhudo. He's got to take Suhudo out. And it's got to be a win or a decisive win. So if you're gonna, if you wanted to put uh, Demetrius Johnson currently in your pound for pound ranking, would you put Conor McGregor in there right now? No, no, I don't think Conor's defended the strap. Yeah, and done it against a top contender. I mean, I mean, look, he was beat by Diaz, uh, Nate Diaz. So who in your pound for pound ranking? That's a tough. Is there is there anyone in your pound for pound ranking that's not coming from the UFC aside from Demetrius Johnson? They're all, I guarantee you, you're, everyone you're going to pick is from the UFC. Yeah, well, I mean, if, you, if we're talking about current fighters, yeah, I would say majority, majority of them are, are from the UFC. So who is a pound-for-pound pound greatest champion and that is not in the UFC? Some people have fallen from grace based yeah. on their last performances, right? I mean, you've got to say Fedor is at the top of that list. Um, it was just an absolute monster. But it's tough to compare that era to what the heavyweights look like now or even what the heavyweights have looked like over the past 10 years. Because, you know, you see Fedor take some bad losses to, like, Dan Henderson and, um, uh, what's, can't believe I can't remember his name right now. It's the mission artist that, uh, This is going to be an, an era of, of uh, Francis Ngannou. Yo. Ooh. So, eh? Francis? Monster. Dude, that guy's a monster. If he, uh, yeah. Big. He terrifies me. Yeah, man. And his punching power is ridiculous. Hardest puncher in the world right now, right? Yeah, currently. Based on the tests that are current right now, that guy can damage. Can you imagine the tests? <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, they've done tests. On the end of that test, holy shit. No, they've done like they've done power and uh, like power punching. And yeah, the computer punching. Tyson too, like Tyson was showing him bodies. I saw. Give us some pointers. Moving on a little so bit. So, who's on your Mount Rushmore of fighters? Who's your Mount Rushmore of uh, of all time? We got top. Of, of top five fighters? Mount Rushmore, right? Is this across all combat so sports? So across, across, are we talking about just in MMA or like across? We're talking about like. Who can just throw yes. down? If you, you know, you have a Kumite, you know yeah. what I mean? And the five remaining fighters, mm. world all time. Yeah, and no rules. Yes, buddy. 
there's, this is fight to the death. there's no rules. Okay, so these are the this guys I'm gonna. The these are the guys I'm gonna throw in there. These are the guys I'm gonna throw in John Jones. I'm gonna throw in, yeah. I'm gonna throw in Khabib. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna throw in George Saint Pierre. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna throw in Mark Kerr, and then I'm gonna throw in, for shits and giggles, a 1988 Mike Tyson. Oh, <laughs> wow. Tyson. I could have thrown in. I could have thrown in. Um, yeah, no, I'm gonna Why keep them in. Why would you throw in like a Bruce Lee or a Bruce Lee? Chuck yeah. Norris. Chuck Norris. <laughs> Right. Those those are my favorite actors who are martial artists. So they weren't really t- as tough as people think. They are tough, you know, like they're, they're they wouldn't hang with John Jones. Or oh, dude, hell's no! None of these guys who are who are acting right now can hang with John Jones. Let alone any of these guys who are acting ever mm-hmm. could hang with uh, even Demetrius Johnson. Demetrius Johnson would just would just have a f- blast with Bruce Lee <laughs> and Van Damme at the same time. <laughs> One finger. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> who's, who's, the, who's the Hollywood celebrity martial arts favorite for you? Oh man, is it Bruce? You know that guy, Bruce Lee and Jean Claude Van Damme. They were super inspiring because it went from Shokasugi and it went from like the ninjas into and Bruce Lee into see that was these guys were fighting like they were like a single army you know like the ninjas were taking out a country or or, or like you know the, the arm then one person was like chuck norris was taking out like you know like a bunch of people right 40 guys then then what fucking changed everything was blood sport when it became one-on-one right van damme went out there and he started having one-on-ones right and then kickbox or one-on-ones right that 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 was the the changeover now and he made martial arts yeah. look good his fancy spinning kicks and the yeah. helicopter kicks. The muscles from Brussels. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, all Hollywood wise, you mm. know, there's Don, you know, you got guys like Donnie Yen and Jet Li, mm. Scott Adkins, Michael mm. Jai. Mm. Who do you think is the baddest out of all these dudes? The real realist, fighting. The realest and the baddest. You know, there's a couple of them that are that are pretty good, right? Like uh, Chuck Norris is he's he's the the most legit because he's had some he's had some legit kickboxing matches. And he's legit BJJ. He's like a fourth degree black belt in jiu-jitsu oh, under Machado. He's like he trained under the the dirty yeah, dozen. Jack. Yeah, he's he's legit. And then, and then from there, I would throw in sorry, uh, Michael J. White and Wesley Snipes in in, in their weight classes. Mm-hmm. You know, just because they know some shit. Dude. Yeah, Jeez. tough guy. He looks pretty tough. Tough guy. Yeah. Actually goes to MMA gyms and fights and trains and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if he does MMA like legit MMA sparring, but maybe he does. But there, he's he knows his stuff. He's been in the gym. You can tell by their physiques, by Nestle, Wesley Snipes, and by eating iron. Yeah. <laughs> so Sal, uh, his wife is also uh, a fighter as well, right? Oh yeah. Yep. What's her record? My my, my wife's record? Yeah. Uh, she's she's a one and zero in pro, and she's four and one in amateur. Wow, that's crazy. Wow. Yeah. How is that watching your your? Uh, is that you? Buddy? Oh, that was your. Phone. That was mine. That's fine. That's great. Um, how is it? Watching your wife, like how it gets in your what gets in your head when you when you you're prepping your wife mm. to go out there and battle someone else's wife. 
awesome. I love yeah, it. Right, and you know she's gonna kick. Some yeah, ass. it's it's not even if it's my wife. It's if it's any of my fighters that that actually have done the work that I have done the work with them that we do the road work. So when it's my wife, I, you know that we've done the work, right? We yeah. we do it together. Like we train together, work out together. I'm in her head 24/7. Even when she's cooking, she's getting in shit. We're watching fights 24/7. So if it's any of my fighters or my and that has done the work, I just can't wait for fight day. It's like an exam that I've studied for, and I just want to fucking go, right? Yeah. You must be pretty proud of her though, eh? Like that she gets in there and she's like right in there and then she's using all the techniques and all the stuff you showed her, right? Like you got it's gotta be a really proud feeling, man. Oh dude, man. It's 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 not the, it's not I'm proud of her for the techniques that she's used. I'm I'm proud of her from what she came from because she didn't come in to want to fight she just came in as like a barbie girl a, a barbie doll right and just was just like a regular girl and was just trying to lose weight after having kids and just trying to get in shape and then next thing you know like she's just a beast you know i never have to worry about her ever 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 because of so that there's, there's no there's no fear on your side when you when you prepare her and see her no nah, like, hell no man no 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 I can yeah. tell you, just coming to some of these sparring sessions, I, I had fear. I <laughs> Anxiety the entire day. You don't before. do it for fear, man. You know, like, it's funny. Like, these guys, so it's like this. People are like, oh, that guy backed out of the fight. Or, or that guy, fuck, he, 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 you think he threw the fight? You know, all these questions you ask. I, when, when people fight, when they become fighters, whether they're amateur or pro, you know, when they become fighters, they like to fight, man. They, they, they'll fight people their own weight class. People are like, oh, this guy didn't want to fight. Oh, this guy backed out. I couldn't get a fight. It's hard to, hard to swallow that or believe that because there's a lot of guys that are always willing to fight. Yeah. Guys and girls always want to fight, man, and you can always get a fight, man. You can always get so a fight. So like that's like a cardinal sin, not making weight when you've had the time and the preparation. Mm, not making weight, it, it's, it's, it depends, man. You know, if you've had the time and preparation, then yeah, then it's, it's cardinal sin, right? You should make the weight as a professional or even as an amateur if you're taking a fight and you said you're going to make weight, you have to make weight. But things happen and circumstances happen that, that, that it, it, you know, that prevent that and and you know especially we learned in, in in female bodies right because i'm i've never gone through anything you know as a male you know i know how to cut weight as a male but female weight cuts are a lot different so we now understand and we learn and we address it differently right wow so it's all different it's uh, training a, a male and training a female fighter are completely different there's a lot of gyms in the world that won't take female fighters right because of of the emotions up and down right so uh i myself don't find any problems with that i enjoy it i i, I enjoy training all all, all types of people, right? So, so when you see an Amanda Nunes at the top of a game, mm. being the best, at, mm. no female really comes close in any capacity to what mm. she can do. That gym is doing it the right way. You know, she came from she came from Brazil. I remember where she came from. She came. Dan, Daniel Valverde was telling me he trained her um, hard and he trained her well. And uh, Master Caesar, same thing. They trained her real hard. So now she moved over from uh, MMA Masters. And now she's over at American Top Team now, and Jeez. she's yeah, she's killers. Yeah, so either way, she's getting she's getting training, and regardless, right? How do you build a woman to beat her though? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you look at her; she's just phenomenal. That's and that's the thing. So, you, so you have a blueprint, right? So, yeah. when 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 you're training, and especially if you're a fighter now, this is what I was doing when I was competing and stuff. I was looking at who the current champion was at that time when I was competing, and it was Matt Hughes, and I was like, how am I gonna 
train myself and I didn't have good enough wrestling or good enough jujitsu that time to stop a, a freak like that. So I myself, I had to be honest with my training. I had to fucking start wrestling. I had to start picking up jujitsu. And because in my head was, I didn't want to just be a local guy. I wanted to be the guy who was the, the best guy out there. So you always, and, and if, you're, if you're an up and comer right now, you should be looking at who the champ is in that division and go and fucking train on how to beat that guy. That's the only way to do it. And that's, that's when you look at it, because you know who beat Matt Hughes was a guy who came out and he understood that he had to beat this guy, which, which was George St. Pierre. He beat him at his own game. Goat. The goat. Great goat. Yeah. Oh, one of my, one of my yeah. favorite fighters of yeah. all time. I am not impressed with your performance. <laughs> right? So what's the best, what, in your mind, what's the best base? If you're, if you're approaching MMA as a fighter, what would you say is the best base to come into the sport with? At what age? Um, 15. Prime. I, I what? Teen, teenager. Teenager, 13. Well, well, you don't really have much of a base. You're just kind of experimenting at that time, 13 to 15. So if you're talking about someone who's been pedigreed since they were four years old and they have wrestling, that's a great base, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to someone who's been playing the piano since they were four years old, right? Well, if you're comparing it to like a, a four-year-old pedigreed in wrestling and then a four-year-old pedigreed taekwondo. Mm. What would you say is the more advantageous in MMA? You know, individually, if, yeah, it was, if it was a twin brother, let's say if it was twin, because mm -hmm. you have to look at the subjects, it has to be even. Right. So we say if it was a twin brother, and both of them are twins and they're the same chromosomes, I would say the advantageous one would be the wrestler, mm -hmm. right? But if it was people whose subject wasn't twin, we would have to look at then work ethic and, and genetics, right? Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes sense. The X factors. Yeah. Well, because you see a lot of dudes coming in with that wrestling ethic, because I It's hard to beat that, especially coming from division one and two schools, right? That's all they do. So they're just machines. They're already Would you say the training to build a wrestler is different than training to build other combat sports? It's just the constant grind in wrestling. It's a very demanding, it's a very, very demanding sport. And it's mentally exhausting. And if you can go out there and you can wrestle and you can get past that, then you can do anything in life because nothing will break you. Wrestling is about who can break whose will. That's fighting is about that. And what happens in the middle of that? A submission, a knockout happens in the middle of it, then hey, that's the consequences. But it's all about who can break whose will. Hey, I'm here to break your will and you're gonna try to break my will. If the guy's will is already broken before the fight, the fight's already lost or the fight's already won. That's kind of how, how Tyson used to win a lot of his fights just with that walk out to the ring. Yeah, well, people were already lost. They already lost the fight because they knew they were fighting this, this freak, right? Yeah. This guy was a Hulk, if you look at him. And he, and, and he was legitimately not even a real heavyweight. I, in my opinion, I think he was more of a cruiserweight guy, right? That, but he got himself legendary status as a heavyweight because you can't really become a legendary status unless you're like a heavyweight. You know you're what kind mean? of a short heavyweight. Yeah, yeah. Are He's, you gonna be watching him fight Ray Jones Jr.? I mean, it's like whatever that fight, right? Like, <laughs> I, yeah. You know, because it's not like they're in their prime right now, right? So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not like, it's a great fight, you know, good for the fans and stuff like that. And I'm, and I'm happy for them. I'm proud of them. But, you know, it would be much different if this fight happened, let's say, 30 years ago, right? Yeah. I think so, Rory clowns him. So when you see Tyson wow. hitting these pads. You think so, huh? huh? At, at 50 plus. Hmm. Do, you, do you see him looking like he used to look? Do you see that there's some, anything off? Or does he look, does he look what you, like what you would expect him to look like? You know, like as you get older, man, the timing is what goes, right? The timing. Yeah. It's all timing, man.
And, and it depends on whose timing is there and whose timing is gone, right? You know, they can have all the technique in the world and look great on the pads, and and now it's going to be like who's going to get that timing on the on the punches before the I one guy. I don't think they're going to knock each other out, right? Like, <laughs> I don't think they're allowed to. Are they allowed to? They didn't have like know. a. Okay, so they're allowing head contact. They're they're, they're allowing headshots, but mm. um, I don't know how you get a Tyson to pull back. That's what I mean. Is that even possible once he gets into the ring for him to hold I, th I think back? he's had a couple exhibitions already that he's held back. You can see some. Yeah. He looks great, though. And he's still scary. Yeah, he's he's in great shape. Yeah. Even with the gray beard and mm -hmm. everything that like, comes mm -hmm. it's like, it's that, oh, man, get off my lawn. You know what I mean, kids? <laughs> like, you're like, oh, don't go on that guy's lawn ever. Like, don't even look at it. Okay, so just switching gears a little bit, being that all of us are in our 40s moving up, our bodies tend to heal a little bit differently now at this mm -hmm. age. What's your go-to for, for staying at the peak health, mm. peak healing? What kind of things do you do to keep yourself in, in, in great shape? So I've been, uh, I've been practicing actually time-restricted eating. So, you know, I only eat once a day. So every, I eat either, either 24 hours or every 48 hours, nothing in between, right? So wow. some days will be, and then, and to heal your body, I've been practicing also a lot of, uh, water fast, right? So even with the food fast and stuff, I won't, I won't have any food or water for two or three days, right? And, and with the water is you notice that all your inflammation is gone. So if I had like, if I fuck my knee up or a heel hooked or something and my knee is swollen, when I don't drink any water, that means you don't brush it. So there's a dry water fast and there's a hard water fast, right? There's a softer hard, right? So you want it, the hard one means no contact with water. You can't even touch water, right? And then there's, there's another one, a softer one, which is you can brush your teeth, but you just can't drink water, right? So I've done them both. I've gone through, I've been practicing this for the last two years, right? So I went from 230 pounds to 161 pounds, right? So Jeez. yeah, yeah. And I mean, now I'm maintaining 180 pounds and, and yeah, I'm pretty happy with it, but that's the, that's the fountain of youth and the longevity is, is all about your, uh, and honestly, it's, it's, it's also, I don't want to preach about it, but not eating meat, right? Yeah. It's about, it. yeah, yeah. Those are the things that get me recovered that I, at my age, I'm able to train every day. I'm able to push the pace every day. I'm able to spar. I'm able to, and Mike Tyson will tell you, any of these guys who are competing will tell you the same thing. They're not eating meat and they're not, uh, they're doing time restricted eating. They're fasting and, and their bodies have changed and they're, and not only their body, but the mind, it was polluted with all chemicals and shit. Now they can see and hear things clearly. Yeah. I love fasting, wow. man. Yeah. I, I think fasting is one of the best things you can do for your body, mm -hmm. your brain. Mm -hmm. I feel Mm -hmm. mentally focused mm -hmm. right like it's almost like your brain is hunting for for something right you get into that hunter mode right life becomes easy tasks become really easy your motivation is high like people don't understand that how much food fucks you up so if, you, if you're talking to someone that's just you know regular everyday person nine to five may not have the options to train every day what are baby steps that you would suggest people to take to at least kind of jumpstart their health in a way that's going to give them longevity First is food. It's, it's being able to maintain your food. You can train all you want. If you're not in control of your food, if you're not disciplined in your, in your food habits, you're going to have a hard time. You've got to restrict your eating within a, at least a minimum 12-hour window or less, right? You want to get it to eight, six, four, and then eventually, you know. And I'm telling you from myself, right, as I push the pace with, like, professional guys, and, uh, and I don't eat for two, three days, you know, and I'm still rolling. I'm coming back and training, and, and it doesn't change. Nothing. And you'll learn, and you'll hear, and how eating and it affects your insulin you know and just like yeah you'll learn and and first thing is all about your diet you got to get a control of your diet then once you're disciplined on your diet then you'll be able to now be disciplined in your training diet's the hardest part man in your body is more important than the most important man why would you want to put garbage in your body right but 
Tastes so good. Tastes so good, but it's like you have, and now your body is good. Now your body is like a well-oiled machine, right? You're like, yeah, my body's like a Lamborghini. I'm going to go throw some like fucking 87 octane in there. Right. You know what I mean? Nobody wants that garbage. Jesus. They want to run premium all the time. So anything topical that you use on joints or? Nothing. Any old school remedies? So I used have? to, I used to, yeah, I used to eat glucosamine for like 15 years and I stopped eating glucose. I don't take any supplements. All I eat is plants once a day and water. That's it. No supplements, zero meat for uh, years, 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 years. And one and OMAD, one meal a day has been almost two years now. So you hear a lot of people talking about ice baths and heat therapy. You, you do any of that kind of stuff to keep, your, keep yourself fresh? Oh, fuck, man. I'm a chicken shit, dude. I like it warm. I'm an islander, man. I have a hot tub at home. Why don't you tell me ice bath and shit? I'm already quivering right now. <laughs> Fuck, man. Even my house right now, it's 74 degrees, 77 degrees at home. Boiling hot. My, my hot tub is at 105 degrees every day. I go in there, it's piping hot. Yeah, man. Skin color, man. We need Fuck that. Cold <laughs> shit, man. Ice tub. Yeah, but ice tub, the benefits of it are huge. Humongous. Especially like right after training, you want to get hit the ice tub right away to bring the inflammation down in all the joints. That's what high-level athletes need to do. But hey. I'm not competing, so fuck the ice bath for me. I'm going to go in the hot tub. So one of the things I want to touch on quickly before we get out of here, um, you know, in this community that we're in, there's a lot of Indo-Canadian, uh, fuck Indo-Canadian, there's a lot of brown people killing brown people. Mm. A lot of brown people, a lot of young Brown on brown crime. Yeah, that are in gangs, uh, that are affected by gang violence, that kind of perpetuate and chase the drug trade and try to make a name for themselves. I look at this bigger picture, and I try to find a way that we can kind of create silver linings for people because there's, there's a big difference when you're trained to fight and when someone has a gun in their waistband. And the idea that these guys can just walk into the, a club or somewhere in the streets and just take someone's life without even thinking about it, do you think things would be a little bit different if martial arts were incorporated into the school system at a young age as opposed to these guys just being able to find their manlyhood in the streets? Well, let's, let's look at the... The, the, the case first is gangs. We're talking about gangs in general. And it, whether it be Indo-Canadian or it be any, any race or any, any it, it doesn't matter. And if you look at demographic, if, you, if you're looking at teaching martial arts in a, in, a, in, a, in a private or public school setting, they, are, they have this already in schools all over the world, different countries, they already, it's mandatory to learn specific martial arts. And in those countries, there's already gang problems there. So it's not like the martial arts is gonna change anything. It's what happens at home. It's what happens in school. It's the connections that they're making with their family, uh, with their teachers, with their peers. It's it's what they're exposed to, you know, like as opposed to not only their education, but it's the people that they're exposed to as well, too. Right. Big one. Yeah, because a lot of schools already have martial arts in there. It's not changing people. And a lot of a lot of gang members have already been in martial arts since they were young. And it doesn't make them a non-gang member, you know. It, that doesn't change anything. A lot of gang members were, were Christian or, or, or Muslim or were Sikh. It doesn't, that doesn't change. Gangs don't discriminate what you are, who you come from, what you learned. Yeah, yeah. It's what you pick it or you don't, yeah. right? Disappointing to see because it seems like a, a thing that we're constantly dealing Social with. Social media, man. Everybody wants to get out there and, and look like they have that fancy chain and have those, uh, have those nice rims on their car and stuff, man. You know, that's what people want. Social media, they want that Lamborghini. But it's change, man. 
it, it's that money's different than it was like 20, 30 years ago when people were putting into the cars. That money comes from overseas. Parents are rich. They're buying their kids Lamborghinis and Ferraris. And then the local hustlers are like, shit, I want to look like that. So then they're hustling the wrong way to get it, you know? This money was free for mom and dad. And there's no hustle involved. No hustle so involved, man. And these local guys here, they, they, wanna, they want that shit. They want to look like they got these nice toys and stuff, right? So they're doing it, you know, the hard way, right? And these are people that already have families that have, have families, homes yeah. and stuff, and they still want the... They still want that glam, right? They still want right? to hustle. They want that glam, man. You ever had any, anybody like that come into the gym wanting to learn with that poser mentality that just, just never comes back? Oh, you get, you get them at every gym, man. Just like you get them eating at Cactus Club and Subway. You get people coming everywhere from all walks of life. What can you do, right? You just, you have a business and then they'll, they'll fade out. You know, they'll, 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 they'll either they'll change or they'll fade out, right? It, our mentalities and our philosophies in this, within these walls won't change, right? Yeah. It's either you're going to change or you're going to leave, right? That, that's just how it is. Facts. Yeah. And last thing, I've always wanted to ask this question. Has, have you ever been in a situation after you've accumulated all these skills where someone has tried to step to you hmm. in the streets in a confrontational way? And how did you approach that situation? Uh, you, you know what? It, 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 it hap it, it's happened. It's happened. Um, yeah, it's happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how, knowing what you could possibly do to somebody, how did you handle that? <clears throat> you de-escalate it, right? Even when I'm with people and uh, they feel like all of a sudden they feel larger than life and stuff, right? And you want to be the voice of reasoning to be able to de-escalate the situation. There was a time when I was young and prior to me having any knowledge and prior to me being humble where it wasn't the case. As soon as I, I, I had humble pie and I had good people in my life, I understood that what, what needs to be done is to want to de-escalate the situation and that's it. And instead of punching people, <laughs> right? Instead of choking people, you know, there's other ways to handle things now, right? And your, your ego does not play a factor at all. It can't, you know, like once you get to a certain part of your training where you've been honest with your training and you hit a certain level of your training, uh, you start taking accountability for things, right? And you start looking back at life and you start looking at the people who influenced you, whether it be music or your old coaches or whatever. And uh, you start to really uh, think about things and you, and, and you want to go back and you want to fix or you want to go back and you want to take accountability for all the things that went wrong. You don't want to add any more drama in your life. As you get to a certain point in your martial arts journey, you should reach that point of Zen. And if you don't, if you have that ego, it's going to be fucking rough until you get rid of it, right? Damn. Yeah. With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, man. Spider-Man. Right? <laughs> I actually had a judge tell me that once a long time ago because I was a fighter, right? And ironically enough, months later, someone punched, sucker punched me in the face, and I took it like a champ, and it, it didn't affect me. I was like, what? And then at that moment, I realized I had the power to, 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 to punch this guy back or to just, like, de-escalate mm -hmm. the situation, dude. And that's when I finally became a pro fighter at that wow. time because the mentality had switched over from needing to prove yourself to keep it in the ring or whatever, right? Wow. You know what I mean? So, so it has to be the same with every martial artist. Like, imagine the battle that goes through every discipline, every person in every discipline. 
Oh, dude, when I when I when I go to I, I'll tell you when I go to sleep at night, I'm always thinking about different scenarios for the guy that's gonna try to break into my bedroom window or my front door. How I'm gonna tell him to close the door so I can choke him out and fuck him up, right? That runs through my mind as I'm driving my car. So if the person beside me flips me the finger while I'm gonna go to the gym and and practice my moves, why am I gonna fight a guy on the street when I fucking do it in the yeah. mats all the time with good guys yeah. Yeah. that want to punch me back and shit? What the fuck? I gotta prove with the clown on the street? It doesn't make sense, right? <laughs> Gems, gems, <laughs> y'all. Road raging. Maniac. Unless, listen, gems. listen. It's different. Road raging's bunk. Don't get involved. In that it's different when someone legitimately puts their paws on you, right, and slaps you and punches you. Then, if that happens, mm -hmm. it's different, then right? You get dealt with. Then, then you get dealt with whatever has to be done. You don't go overboard, but you know, like yeah, that's we'll different. See you on the news. <laughs> <laughs> to that poor bastard. We'll see him on the news. Yeah. Then it's different. <laughs> then it's a different ball game. But if it's before it takes place, if you can just peace out, peace out, man. You know, what was that said, dude? Tell people why uh, coming to clinch is the place to train. And not even coming to clinch, just getting in and just taking control of your life and just training in anything, whether it be martial arts or learning in school and anything. Just pick up a new a new gift for yourself. That's it. It's powerful. Yeah. And what's the best way to reach you for people that want to come come to the gym? Right here, clinchforlife.com. Clinch number four, life.com. Only on Instagram. Or the website. Or the website. <laughs> or the website, right? Awesome, man. It was, uh, I love coming down here and talking to you, Sal. Beautiful. I've met you times before. I didn't know how serious, uh, everything I knew it was serious, but I didn't know really how serious it was until this. And I appreciate you telling me what was up. Yo, if you guys don't know, let me give you the backstory, okay? This guy calls me up and he's like, Mike wants you to tap him out. <laughs> And he's gonna give you 30 seconds to tap him out. I'm like, what? 30 seconds to tap him out? So are we starting standing or on our, on our feet, right? on, our, on our knees, right? He's like, oh, you can start standing. I'm like, 30 seconds, 30 seconds to tap him out. I gotta commit to a fucking takedown. And you can't just go half-ass on 30 seconds. You legitimately, I wanna take this guy down. If you look at his size, he's not a small guy. So I gotta commit to it. He's gonna fall hard, and then I'm, and then I already tell you, this is what I was gonna do. I already visualized the fight. I was gonna come in, shoot a hard double on him, open up the legs and then sit back for a foot lock, Achilles locks. I didn't want to damage his heel, but I was going to stretch his tendons a little bit so he knows what's up. But then I thought about it. I thought I talked to Sean. I'm like, yo, I can't do this to this guy. So I told the reef, yo, man, this guy's going to get fucked up because 30 seconds, 30 seconds, you can, people are going to get damaged. I said, give me at least five minutes so I can play with the guy. No pain, so we can at least have fun. Yeah, we can sit down and we can kind of play, but 30 seconds, man, somebody's gonna get And Mike it. was very gung-ho about this. Yeah, so I'm glad you talked to Sal and let us know that 30 seconds is a bad idea. Bad idea for anybody. For You ask any professional or amateur fighter, yo, 30 seconds, they're gonna be like, ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ask yeah. your fighter friends to put you in submission holds Don't do it. or punch you in the stomach or give you a leg kick because no. you're asking for something you no. don't. Want. Go and train. <laughs> Go and train. Go and train. Train and quit. High Phrase Podcast, ACDJ, Sal, ALATE. Thanks for listening. Subscribe, leave some comments, and come to Clinch MMA, y'all. Peace.